hello, hello, hello. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the How to Vegan podcast. If this is your first time tuning in to the How to Vegan podcast, then what is up? I'm stoked you're here. If you don't know, my name is Kristen Pound, and I'm really, really, really excited you are listening to today's episode because it's a really, really important one. It's full of lots of information. I literally probably spent 60 hours working on this episode. So much research to be done, so much fact checking, and there's just a shit ton of work that went into this because it's such a controversial topic. And if you couldn't tell by the title of today's episode, then we're going to be chatting all about palm oil. So this is the first in a many-part series kind of titled, What's the Deal With? And this first one is, What's the Deal with Palm Oil? So kind of an objective approach to giving y'all the information that I find and everything that I learn and, of course, injecting some of my opinion in there as well. But kind of talking about whether palm oil is vegan or not, it's a huge controversial topic in the vegan community. And some people are extremely, extremely, extremely against the use of palm oil in any way. And others are not so concerned at all. So I'd really like to kind of chat about this. I have some topics in my How to Vegan Facebook group that are just completely not allowed to be discussed because the comment section gets so incredibly nasty. It's awful. I do not understand why human beings are so mean to each other on the internet, but they are. So kind of this What's the Deal With series is going to be centered around a lot of the topics that are not allowed in my How to Vegan Facebook group. And if you're not a member of my How to Vegan Facebook group, then go join. It's on Facebook. There are over 75,000 of us in the group, so it's a nice little community. And yeah, palm oil is not allowed to be discussed because Again, it's super controversial. So some of the other episodes that I'm going to be doing in this series is, you know, things like what's the deal with sugar? You're sugar vegan, essentially. What's the deal with prescription medication? What's the deal with wool? What's the deal with backyard eggs? What's the deal with horseback riding? So a lot of these controversial topics in the vegan world, just kind of giving you guys the information, letting you make your own decision, of course, giving you my opinion as well. But really just giving you guys the information is what I really want to do because it can be hard to find objective information without somebody extremely passionate behind it, giving you their opinion and making you try to believe that that's the only way. So that's what this podcast episode is going to be about. And I'm really glad that you guys are tuning into the first little What's the Deal With series. So if you're stoked on this idea, then please make sure to go find me on Instagram. The podcast has a brand new... Instagram account, Instagram handle. I don't know what the kids are calling it these days, but I have a new Instagram account for this podcast and it's just how to vegan podcast. So please, please, please go find the podcast on Instagram, follow the account and I'll be posting pictures and stories and everything kind of relating to the podcast and whatever episode I'm working on and anything that's just kind of related to the how to vegan realm and world. So make sure to go follow How to Vegan Podcast on Instagram. And anytime you see something that you'd like to share, take a little screenshot, share it in your story and tag How to Vegan Podcast. So even more people can come find me and find the podcast. And hopefully we can spread this little vegan movement even further and further and further out. You guys know, I always say the ripple effect is totally real. Start small, little ripples. You affect the people around you. They affect around the people around them. It's just a big old ripple effect that is nice and beautiful to experience. So make sure to go follow How to Vegan Podcast on Instagram and make sure to follow or subscribe on YouTube. There's the How to Vegan Podcast YouTube channel where all of the unedited videos live. So if you're into unedited stuff, then definitely hop on over to YouTube because you'll see me mess up a lot and yell at my cat for trying to chew on cords and all of the fun stuff that kind of goes into this. And some people just prefer video. So if you're into that, then check that out as well. What else am I going to talk about before I jump into the episode? Something else I wanted to mention is that pretty much for every single episode, I'm going to have a free PDF download link that is going to correspond with the episode. So I didn't mention it in last in the last episode, episode 19, 
which was non-ingredients, non-vegan ingredients to look out for, but I did a freebie and it's on my website. So if you just go to kristenpound.com, that's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-P-O-U-N-D.com and go to the podcast tab. Nope, don't go to the podcast tab. Go to the free stuff tab. You'll see all of my little free downloads. You pretty much click on it, put your email in, and it'll just send you a little PDF download link that I think expires in 24 hours, but you can always go back and re- download it if you want. And it's pretty much just going to be kind of a summary or a recap of everything that I talk about in the episode. So that if you're like, oh my God, I really want these main points. I want to remember everything she kind of mentioned. What should I do about that? I'm going to try to have a little free download for you available on my website that goes kind of with each episode. So if you didn't get the one from last episode and you really would like a full list of non-vegan ingredients to look out for, then go download that. And then there will be one for this episode as well, kind of just highlighting the main points that I talk about, some things that if it were me, I would totally go download a PDF and just store it on my phone so that if someone asks, hey, what's the deal with palm oil? You have some main points there. I have a really bad memory. So for people like me or for people who just like to have either something downloaded on their phone or on their computer or whether you want to print it out, I have all kind of the main information laid out for you there. So make sure to hop on over to my website and grab that. There will also be a link in the show notes slash description for the episode. So whether you're watching on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, or my website, there'll be a link for the little freebie download for you. So hopefully that's helpful for you guys. If you guys like that idea and you're interested, then definitely go over and download it so that I know you guys that it's, in, that it's something that you want because it does take me a hot minute to put it together. But if I were listening to a podcast and they had like a free download to go with it, I'd be all over it. So, but I'm a nerdy school type. I have my teaching degree. So maybe that's the teacher in me being like, I'll print out handouts for you guys to go with my lecture. But I think it's helpful. So make sure to go grab that if you are interested. And if you are listening to this podcast on Spotify, just make sure to hit the little follow button. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Wherever you're watching, make sure to just hit the subscribe or follow or whatever it is on that platform button so that the podcast grows and more and more people see it. I'd really appreciate it. So if this is your first time tuning into the How to Vegan podcast, then like I said, yay, what's up? I'm so glad you are here. Right now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed, like I just said. So just go do it. Hit pause. Go do it. And if you ever just need a jumping off point and you cannot remember where to go, just head over to my website, kristenpound.com, click on the podcast tab, and you'll find everything that you need there. Or you can just go to kristenpound.com slash podcast forward slash podcast. And you'll, and you'll just get right to all the episodes and everything. So go check out my website. I also have a $5 healthy vegan starter kit available, and it has two weeks of meal plans and grocery lists and recipes and more. So if you're interested, if you're just starting out on your vegan journey and you want some healthy recipes that are extremely tasty and delicious and nutritious and fun to make and everyone will love them, not just vegans, but omnivores, carnivores, kids, really, really good recipes. And again, two weeks of meal plans. So if the, if you're new to this, it's definitely something that can be really helpful. So again, just over on my website, there's a little banner at the top or you'll see a little thing that says vegan starter kit and it's just five bucks. So why not? You get my recipes. A lot of the recipes are not on my YouTube channel. So, oh, and if you're not subscribed to my regular YouTube channel, come find me. It's Kristen Pound. Just type Kristen Pound in on YouTube and you'll find me. I'm getting close to 8,000 subscribers. I probably have 8,000 subscribers right now, actually. But And one of my videos just reached half a million views. Yes, it's a video of me cutting my hair, but it reached half a million views and it's really exciting. I'm so excited about it. So if you'd like to support the podcast for 100% free, always 100% free to do this, then there will be a little Amazon link in the description slash show notes of this episode. And anytime you're shopping on Amazon, if you just click on that link to get to Amazon, anything that you buy on that trip, they'll give me like a teeny little percentage. It's literally pennies. But if you want to help me out, it's no cost to you. And I have a link that I'll leave and it has all of my favorite stuff. So everything that I buy, my vegan Doc Martens, my Instant Pot, my bamboo utensils, 
everything that I really love, the supplements I take, they're all under this link in the description slash show notes. So if you're wanting to know what some of my favorite stuff is on Amazon, then then go click on that link. And again, any you don't have to buy the stuff on my list. Just use my little link anytime you sign in. You can save it to your favorites or your bookmarks. And then anything you buy, it gives me a small little percentage of. So the people that do that, seriously, thank you so much. It's a really small amount of money, but anything helps, especially because I do all of this for free. So thank you to those of you who have done that. And if you really love the podcast, then like I said, just head on over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. I've got all five-star reviews. It's pretty dope. All the reviews and ratings or five-star ratings and all the reviews are so nice. Like, oh my God, amazing. I should start sharing some of those on the Instagram account because they're they bring me to tears. So I love all of you guys who have left a little rating and review. It just pops the podcast up there and more and more people see it. So share this with people. Let's get the word out there. Like I keep saying, the ripple effect is real. So share this with people and go leave a rating and a review and all that stuff. And just don't forget to share this episode with anybody who might be interested. You never know who might be interested in this information or if you're in a Facebook group or having a discussion and palm oil comes up, feel free to send them to this episode because I got you guys. I got you guys on this one. Okay, that's it for the intro. My intros have been a little longer, but I've been trying to have a little bit more casual approach to the podcast so that I don't feel like I'm standing up here and lecturing, like I'm kind of chatting with you. So that's the reason for a little bit longer of intros and a little bit more of a laid back vibe. I really want to get more episodes out for you guys. And this is kind of my way to do this until I can afford someone to edit my podcast and help me with graphics and uploading and release and promo and all that stuff. So that's how we're rolling for now. And it just feels better for me. And I kind of like the chattier vibes. If you don't, then lo siento, but that's what we're doing for now. So you get a little bit more about me in each episode, probably. So um, if you ever want to chat with me about anything, you can, again, go find the podcast on Instagram at a How to Vegan Podcast or on YouTube and leave a comment or send me a direct message. I'm available. So, okay, let's get into the info. Let's dive in to the info because this is a juicy one. So let's start out with the definition of vegan and the definition of veganism. I like to do this during some of my episodes, especially if you're new vegan or this is your first episode you're listening to, just to kind of clear the air, just to kind of make sure we're all on the same page. So the definition of vegan is a person who does not eat or use animal products. And the definition of veganism is a way of living which seeks to exclude as far as possible and practical all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing, or any other purpose. So in dietary terms, it refers to the practice of excluding all animal products, including meat, fish, poultry, eggs, animal milks, honey, and their derivatives. And the word vegan extends to more than just diet. Vegans don't wear leather, fur, wool, or silk, and they're against zoos, circuses, rodeos, animal testing, and really other any other industry that exploits or abuses animals for absolutely no reason. Veganism is not only a diet, it's a lifestyle that aims to be as cruelty-free as one can be. If that is the case, one cannot ignore the ethical implications of palm oil consumption. And that was a quote that I found somewhere and that I just thought was kind of a good way to kind of to lead into the discussion of palm oil. That, you know, veganism really isn't only about the food, it's it's about being cruelty-free and as far as this person, I cannot even remember who, who, where I got this. I think I saw it on an um, Instagram post. This person, whoever it was, said, if that's the case, one cannot ignore the ethical implications of palm oil consumption. And again, it's not you can't have palm oil. It's just you cannot ignore it and you should educate yourself on these topics and then make your decision based off of whatever feels right for you. And that's how I feel about everything really in life. You have to find what makes you happy and what works for you and go at your own pace. And I'm never here to judge somebody and I'm never here to tell you what to do. If you guys know me, I'm really, really non-judgmental and compassionate and kind and patient. And I just want to help people stop hurting animals and the planet and their bodies. So what is palm oil? If you guys don't know, what the shit is palm oil? Well, palm oil is derived from the fruit of the oil palm tree. The palm fruit yields both palm oil and palm kernel oil. 
Palm oil is extracted from the pulp of the fruit and is an edible oil that's used in food. Palm kernel oil is extracted from the seed of the fruit, and it's used in the manufacture of a shit ton of household and beauty products. It's also used as a biodiesel and a lot more. So is palm oil vegan? We could just cut to the chase right now. In short, yes, palm oil is technically vegan. Palm oil in itself comes from a plant. So yes, therefore making the product vegan by definition. So what do we use palm oil for? Why do we use it? Well, it has really great cooking properties, even under high temperatures. It's smooth and it's creamy, it has a really good texture, and it has pretty much an absence of smell, which makes it a perfect ingredient in many recipes, including baked goods in particular. It has a natural preservative effect, which extends the life, the shelf life of food products, which is another bonus, especially for manufacturers making processed foods. And it doesn't contain trans fats. So as of the early 2000s, it has widely replaced hydrogenated oils in products like margarine and processed baked goods because it became really, really known just how bad trans fats are for humans. And one way to cut back on trans fats is to use palm oil. So you'll see palm oil in a lot of stuff. It's also the highest yielding vegetable oil crop, which makes it very efficient. It needs less than half the land required by other crops to produce the same amount of oil, less than half the land. And it's four to 10 times more productive than other oil producing crops. This makes palm oil the least expensive vegetable oil in the world and also one of the most profitable to produce. So now you're kind of getting a picture as to why palm oil is used so, so widely. Palm oil is in so many things. You guys, mind-blowing. Before I even did this episode, I, I had no idea how many things it was actually in, and it is in so many things. Things like candy, cookies, lip balm, vegan butter, vegan cheese, lots of processed foods, toothpaste, soap, shampoo, cosmetics, and lots of household goods. Palm oil is found in nearly 50% of all packaged goods. 50%. That's a shit ton. Hella palm oil being used. Like, it's used in everything. It is so, so widely used, which is one of the issues with it and why it's actually causing so many problems. Another tricky part about palm oil, not that it's just a controversial subject, is that it really can be listed under a wide variety of names. These include glycerol sterate, palm kernel oil, palmate, palmitate, sodium laurel sulfate, laureth sulfate, so like sodium laureth sulfate, sterate, steric acid, and vegetable oil. If the product contains saturated fats, it's most likely palm oil. There are currently over 200 palm oil derivative terms in use. Holy fuck, that is a lot. You cannot keep that. You cannot keep that straight in your head. 200 different names, in some of them including sodium laurel sulfate, which is like that foaming agent in toothpaste. I knew that shit was bad for your teeth, so I don't buy toothpaste with that in it anymore, but I didn't know it was palm oil. So again, it's in literally everything. And in today's freebie, in the freebie that goes with this episode, I have some links, some nice helpful links and um, stuff like that to some articles that I kind of looked through. So one of the things that I have on the freebie is an A to Z alternative names for palm oil list. And that way you can click on it and you can look at all of the names. There are also a couple apps that you can use. I'll mention those later to kind of scan and see if a product has palm oil in it. So now that we know what palm oil is and why it is so widely used, let's get into the problems or the issues with palm oil. Okay, so let's start with the environmental impacts because this is definitely one that is kind of really impactful and it's just it's just something that I think a lot of people can really resonate with. So, the mass production of palm oil because of such huge demand like we talked about is really really wreaking havoc on the environment and it's endangering wild animals as well as indigenous communities. Oil palms can only be grown in tropical regions. See, this was something I didn't know. I'm like, why are we burning down all these tropical rainforests? Because it can only be grown in tropical regions, which totally makes sense, such as Indonesia, Malaysia, and Colombia. So kind of right around the equator in those beautiful, diverse forests, which really makes the land available to produce these plants pretty limited. So we can't just grow them anywhere. It has to be grown in those regions. 
And palm oil plantations are the main driver for deforestation in Indonesia and Malaysia and other countries where they're chopping down these forests. But especially in Indonesia and Malaysia, it is the main driver for deforestation is palm oil. These two regions alone account for 85% of global production of palm oil. Just Indonesia and Malaysia. And those are not massive countries. They're pretty small islands. If you look on a map and and you can picture that 85% of all the palm oil that's in everything comes from those two countries, you can only imagine how much rainforest they're having to cut down to produce that much to just keep up with the demand. So just to give you a little bit of perspective, an area of forest equal to 300 American football fields is being destroyed every hour. 300 American football fields, which is pretty close to a soccer field um, or European football, a little bit narrower, but roughly around that size every single hour of every single day. That is so much and it breaks my heart. (laughs) And lots of this land is being used in kind of a one and done type situation where the land is used until the soil is no longer nourishing enough to produce palm plants. And then they just move on to the next place of land. They just leave it destroyed and they move on. They're not even like trying to reuse the land by practicing crop rotation. They're just kind of moving on and saying, this isn't work anymore. Let's go burn some more forests down. So while clear cutting forested land is environmentally destructive, the conversion of what's called peat land into plantations is completely devastating. So what is peat? If you're not sure, which I 100% wasn't sure, I had to look it up. I kind of knew. Let me give you a little explanation. So peat is a waterlogged organic soil that is made up of dead and decaying plant matter, and it's really, really rich in carbon. And peatlands are vital to the reduction of global warming because they absorb carbon and other greenhouse gases. So we need these peatlands. They are absorbing carbon. To make matters worse, Southeast Asia, where palm oil plantations are completely booming, contains three quarters of the world's tropical peat soil carbon. Three quarters are located in Southeast Asia, where they're just being destroyed. So the burning of these peat forests to clear land for palm oil plantations is a major cause of air pollution as well. Not only are we just getting rid of these peat forests that are absorbing these greenhouse gases that we don't want in our atmosphere, but burning them is also a huge cause of air pollution. Burning peat results in carbon dioxide being emitted into the atmosphere, which contributes to global warming, and these huge fires, huge fires they start to burn down these forests, sometimes last for weeks and sometimes even months. They're just just burning them down. Another thing, something that's really important is that tree roots help anchor down the soil in these tropical regions. So when you remove all these trees and this important structure, it allows heavy rains to wash away the nutrient-rich soil because it's not held down by the tree roots. And crop yields start to decline and farmers have to use expensive fertilizers and stuff like that, which further damages the environment. It's It's just not good all around. Diverse rainforests are rapidly being destroyed to house countless rows of neatly planted oil palm trees, which clearly leads to the loss of biodiversity and destruction of so many different species' homes, many of which we haven't even named yet. These places are so biodiverse, we haven't even named many of the species that live there, and we're just burning them down. Southeast Asia is one of the most biodiverse regions of the planet. Its landmass comprises only 3% of the world's surface. So like I was saying before, it's really small landmass, only 3% of the world's surface. Yet it contains around 20% of all plant, animal, and marine species on the planet. So a huge amount of biodiversity in these regions. And it's something that we need to be considerate of. And the last point I'll bring up about the environmental impacts of the palm oil industry would be their liberal use of toxic fertilizers and chemicals, which contaminates the soil, groundwater, and crops, while tons of untreated palm oil mill effluent, which is liquid waste or sewage, is discharged into rivers and seeps into the terrain. So clearly, it's just not not good for the environment. We're just, it's not, it's just really not good. It's... I was just in Indonesia. I was just in Bali. And I literally had, I mean, I knew this was happening. I didn't know it was so concentrated there. And I feel so awful knowing that that's, that that's going on, that these amazing rainforests are just being clear cut and just burned just to turn a profit for stuff we really, really don't actually need. 
Okay, so now that we've gone over some of the environmental implications of the use of palm oil, let's talk about the animal abuse and the loss of endangered species, which this is the reason why most people say that palm oil isn't vegan, because it affects animals in a negative way, and many vegans just don't want to support that. So let me talk about some of the facts, and you can kind of start to form your own opinion. So orangutans, yes, I 100% know I am butchering that word. I looked it up. I saw so many different pronunciations. I said orangutan. I I know that's wrong. It's like orangutan or orangutan. But if I try to like pronounce it right every single time, I'm just going to like be so in my head about it. So I'm going to say orangutan. If that's wrong, I apologize. But that's just what I've known ever since I was a little kid. And it's just... I can't, I, I'm just going to be focused on saying it the right way if I don't just say it that way. So I think it's orang, orangutan, orangutan, I believe. So if you want to pronounce it the correct way, I think that's it. But I was practicing for this episode and I literally couldn't say it for the life of me. And then I got all in my head and I couldn't get the information across, which is the point. So I'm going to say orangutan and it's probably wrong, but we're rolling with it. So Orangutans, Asian elephants, tigers, Sumatran rhinoceros, proboscis monkeys, pigs, and crocodiles, and not to mention 90 species of fish, are impacted by the loss of habitat and environmental destruction brought on by successive waves of clear-cutting, oil palm tree cultivation, and palm oil production. During the past decade, the orangutan population has decreased by approximately 50% in the wild. If I get emotional during this little chat about the animal stuff, that's normal for me. Um, I can already feel myself getting emotional. It's such a bummer to know that this is happening. Um, Okay, get your shit together, girl. (laughs) Um, So yeah, during the past decade, 10 years, the orangutan population has decreased by approximately 50% in the wild. And this is primarily, again, due to human activities, including, including rainforest destruction for palm oil plantations. At present, 80% of orangutan habit has been altered or lost. It's just staggering to even think about. In 1990, there were around 315,000 orangutans, and today it is estimated that fewer than 50,000 exist in the wild. So 1990, we're talking 315,000, and today less than 50,000 in the wild, and they're split into really small groups with really small chance of long-term survival. Of the 50,000 or so surviving orangutans, more than 2,500 are killed every single year in relation to palm oil production. So right there is is a number that might make anybody say, I'm not going to support that, whether they're vegan or not, especially people who are vegan and are really concerned about animal welfare. So not only are they losing the tree, their treetop dwellings, but they face starvation, and a lot of times they are beaten, their limbs are cut off with machetes, hot oil is thrown at them, and they're burned by huge fires that are started to get rid of them, to really get rid of the rainforest and everything in the way. And a lot of times mother orangutans are killed on or near plantations, and their babies are taken for the pet trade. If you guys know what these animals look like and you've seen them on TV, they just have expressions like people. It is so hard to not see them as a sentient being. You can tell they feel pain. You can tell they feel fear. You can see when their babies are ripped away from them how scared they are. You can tell when there's a picture of them all burned and no trees around them sitting in the middle of a burned down forest with burns and stuff all over them just looking terrified it's it's awful and it is really resonates with me and there are images that I've seen and I will never be able to unsee. So if you're interested in learning about more, you can always go go do some deep research on your own and, and actually see some images and that might sit with you more than just these words. In 2006, at least 1,500 orangutans were clubbed to death by palm oil workers. 1,500 in one year at least. And they're just clubbed to death, just clubbed to death. How could you do? I just, I can't. And it's all for money. I get why. I just cannot fathom. I can't. I just, I can't. And a lot of animals are burned alive while they're trying to flee from these huge fires. And they're often killed in mass by farm workers as they try to escape, or they're purposefully driven back into the flames. So either they're all running out of the forest and they just mow them down, or they drive them back into the flames so they don't have to kill them themselves. 
It's awful. And poachers often target and easily kill animals fleeing from these massive fires as well. So lots of poachers will just hang out and just get these animals and then, yeah. Whatever poachers do with animals, I don't really want to know. Not good things, probably. And palm oil enables animal poachers and traders access to areas that were once remote. So these animals that these poachers really want to get, they used to not be able to go into these remote areas. And now that there's access to them, they're going and easily killing these animals. In the 1997 fires alone, which were huge due to it being extremely dry that year, Borneo's orangutan population was reduced by one third in one year. That's 8,000 of them gone in one year because they were burned to death or directly killed due to palm oil production. And another example of a species being driven to extinction is the Sumatran tiger. Their population was reported in 2008 to be an extremely small 176 to 271 Sumatran tigers left total. It's really, really sad. So I could go on and on about kind of all of the sad things that are happening to animals, but that's that's kind of the main points. That's kind of that's kind of the the main issues of why a lot of people are just like, fuck this shit. I'm not supporting that. And I completely understand why. Um it's not good. So there's environmental impacts. There's the impact on animals' lives. There's also a really huge negative impact on people. While there are some positive aspects of the palm oil industry, like villages gaining lots of new wealth and jobs created, for the most part, the impact on human lives isn't the greatest. The palm oil industry is known for its awful human rights abuses, including the illegal seizure of indigenous people's lands, child labor, labor trafficking, and unprotected work with hazardous chemicals. Oftentimes, what ends up happening is indigenous people's lands is taken from them, and then in order to pay off their debt to these people, they they end up working like indentured servants, just working to pay off their debt to the people who came in and illegally took their land away from them. And one of the worst parts of working on a palm oil farm is the use of toxic pesticides. It's just not good to breathe in, and it's really harmful to the people that work on these farms. And pesticide use isn't really monitored or controlled in these countries. And most of the pesticides they used have been banned in lots of other countries. So just because they're banned in the United States or Australia or the UK does not mean it's banned in their countries. And they can be using these things that are extremely harmful to the people who work on these farms and who ultimately end up eating the products of these plants. But just like the illegal drug trade, the production of palm oil can turn extremely nasty and can destroy many indigenous people's homes, homes they've lived in for thousands of generations. So it can really be compared to kind of illegal drug trades in some of these similar type countries where it just destroys the land. It destroys the people that were living there. It destroys their lives. And it just it just leads to a lot of really bad things happening, smuggling, child labor, just all of those things I mentioned earlier, it it, it can just turn really, really nasty really, really quickly, especially when money is involved. And there's a lot of money that can be made from producing palm oil plants. So why can't we just replace palm oil? Now that we know there's all these issues with it, like why the shit are we still using it? If we know this is happening, why can't we just replace it? Well, there's definitely some reasons. Replacing palm oil with other types of vegetable oil, such as sunflower, soybean, or rapeseed oil, would mean that much larger amounts of land would need to be be used, since palm trees produce four to ten times more oil than other crops. Like I mentioned before, that's a ton. Four to ten times more oil, which means a lot less land is, is needed. So, If we did switch, this would result in serious environmental damage with the risk that more forests would need to be converted into agricultural land. Unless we use crops that don't have to be planted in the rainforest, like if we find something that works really well in the Midwest, for example, we're not going to be able to replace palm oil otherwise, especially because crops like those just aren't sustainable in the long run. Um, Corn and soybeans and stuff like that. The same thing with coconut oil. It's just not economically feasible to cultivate enough to replace palm oil because it takes up so much land. You don't get as much oil out of the actual coconut itself, and it's just not economically feasible to do it. So people aren't going to do it. Farmers aren't going to choose that over palm oil if they have the choice. 
And like we talked about earlier, the demand for palm oil is huge. It's massive. It's in everything. And the amount of money that plantation owners can make is also huge, massive. It's just a super, super profitable crop, which is why in countries that produce lots of this oil, millions of farmers and their families work in the palm oil sector. Palm oil plays an important role in the reduction of poverty in these areas. In Indonesia and Malaysia, a total of 4.5 million people earn their living from palm oil production. Stopping the production of palm oil altogether would create significant problems for these people who support their families by working in this industry. So it's created a lot of jobs. But with these jobs comes so much destruction and violation to both humans, the planet, and the animals. But it's really hard to replace. So <laughs> that's this is this is all the issue. And I had no idea about a lot of this stuff before before researching for this episode. And I'm really glad that I did because now when I have a conversation with someone out in the public, I, I know the facts. I've done my research and it feels really good. So again, make sure to go grab that little freebie on my website um, if you want a little cheat sheet, a little palm oil cheat sheet of your own. So like I said earlier, but I want to reiterate, palm oil requires 10 times less land, four to 10 times less land than other oil producing crops. It really varied on kind of what article I was reading and what study was done. Some said 10, some said four. So about four to 10 times less land than other oil producing crops, which is insane. Replacing palm oil with other types of oil is not always feasible due to palm oil's unique properties as a food ingredient, and using other oils would not give the products the same texture and taste that palm oil offers, nor is it cheap to produce, which is just why manufacturers of products are going to use palm oil. It's shelf-stable, has good taste, texture, consistency. It is semi-solid at room temperature and then melts as it heats up and it doesn't have any trans fats in it and it's really cheap to produce and it doesn't take up a whole lot of land compared to other oil producing crops so should you stop buying palm oil altogether will it even make a difference for many they think that the best solution is to ensure that you buy products that contain sustainable palm oil if that's even a thing which we'll talk about in a second so let's talk about it is it even a thing is is there such a thing as sustainable palm oil or eco-friendly palm oil? I'm doing air quotes when I'm saying sustainable and eco-friendly. So let's talk about it. The truth is palm oil companies aren't going out of business anytime soon. The demand is just so high. So until people demand that they change the methods and ideas in which they produce it, they'll just keep producing the palm oil the way they are now. It's going to be needed. We're going to need it. So we need to try to find effective ways of, of cultivating this, this crop without causing so much harm. We need a better system and more technology because as of now, palm oil isn't going away unless we can figure out how to hydrogenate liquid oils into a more solid room temperature state without the introduction of trans fats, which doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. So we're going to keep using palm oil. I'm telling you guys, it's just we're going to keep using it. In theory, palm oil can be made sustainably by using degraded lands and grasslands instead of forests and on mineral soils instead of peatland. And especially if they rotate the crops and plant soil enriching crops that enrich the soil with nitrogen like soybeans and do kind of like that crop rotation practice that works so well. But according to many Sustainable palm oil just doesn't exist. There is massive widespread corruption, smuggling, and greed in most of these high-producing countries. And like I mentioned earlier, so many human rights violations. And since you cannot tell a visual difference between sustainable palm oil and unsustainable palm oil, a lot of the sustainable palm oil that you pay for isn't really sustainable palm oil at all. A lot of it really is marketing to get you to believe and make yourself feel better that you're doing something positive or not as harmful, but a lot of it really, as with a lot of stuff that we find out when we go vegan, you need meat for protein, you need milk for calcium. A lot of this stuff starts to be shaken up and your worldview gets changed. And that's another thing is realizing that, hey, maybe sustainable palm oil isn't even real and these companies are using it as a marketing gimmick, whether they even realize it or not. The end result, again, whether it's sustainable or unsustainable, is the same. The land is being used since demand still outnumbers the supply. The only way to stop the destruction of such important forests is to like drastically reduce the demand for palm oil, which again isn't going to happen anytime soon, it doesn't look like, which in turn will lower the price and will greatly reduce the pressure to continue to cut down forests at an unprecedented rate. 
Or like I said, find new ways of producing this highly valuable oil, unless something like that happens where they can figure out how to get more yield or rotate the crops or things like that. That might be another way to kind of make it more sustainable. And there are a few organizations that have taken it upon themselves to ensure the public that the companies that are certified through them are doing things the right way. Again, if the right way is even a thing. One of these organizations is the RSPO, or the Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil. And in the little freebie that I give you with this episode, I have a link to their website and some information on them. So if you're interested in checking them out, because when you first look at it, you're like, oh, shit, sweet. Somebody who's really interested in promoting sustainable palm oil and is stepping up to the plate and actually doing something about it. So let's talk a little bit about the RSPO because it comes up a lot when you do palm oil research. So the RSPO, or the Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil, was established in 2004 to promote the growth and use of sustainable palm oil practices and products through credible global standards and engagement of stakeholders. This is taken directly from their website. They are a nonprofit that develops and implements global standards for sustainable palm oil. So that's kind of their mission. The RSPO has developed a set of environmental and social criteria which companies must comply with in order to produce certified sustainable palm oil. So if you ever see CSPO, that stands for Certified Sustainable Palm Oil, which again, not sure if that's even a real thing, but hey, um, it seems like a step forward. There are currently around 4,000 RSPO members in all sorts of businesses, such as Campbell's Soups to Starbucks. The RSPO aims to have growers and millers adhere to 163 criteria to be certified sustainable. This includes everything from best practices on soils, the protection of primary forest, and ensuring human and worker rights. So a little bit about their criteria, just so you kind of know. In 2008, they developed a set of environmental and social criteria, like I said, in order to be CSPO certified, certified sustainable palm oil. One of the most important RSPO criteria states no primary forest or areas which contain significant concentrations of biodiversity or fragile ecosystems or areas where which are fundamental to meeting basic or traditional cultural needs of local communities can be cleared. So primary forest is like the rainforest that has completely been untouched by man. So this is now saying no primary forest can be cleared or no areas which are fundamental to meeting the basic needs of traditional local communities. No, None of those can be cleared according to their criteria. Other RSPO principles stipulate a significantly reduced use of pesticides and fires, as well as fair treatment of workers according to local and international labor rights standards, and the need to inform and consult with local communities before the development of new plantations on their land. So... This all sounds really progressive and awesome, right? Like you're like, oh, sweet, checked into this. This is CSPO certified or RSPO certified. We're good. I'm buying this. Well, is sustainable palm oil actually a viable option? Some organizations like RSPO claim that there are ways to produce sustainable and responsible palm oil. However, others and a lot of others argue that this is greenwashing when green PR or green marketing is deceptively used to promote the perception that an organization's products, aims, or policies are environmentally friendly. So a lot of people are like, this is just greenwashing. <laughs> this is bullshit. This, this, you know, this is, it's just greenwashing and it doesn't account for species extinction and human rights violations. And there's a difference between being an RSPO member and having an RSPO certification, which even when I was on their website looking up the members, I was like, wow, they have lots of members. Like I said, over 4,000, but there's a difference. You can be a member, but that doesn't mean you're certified. So that can get kind of murky as well. There's also a difference between having a palm oil plantation be RSPO certified versus what the actual company, their subsidiaries, and the parent company are doing. Therefore, this makes it super difficult to believe any claim of true sustainability of palm oil and products without lengthy investigation. The reality is, is that some of the companies that are RSPO certified have still been implicated in illegal forest clearance, such as Unilever back in, I think, around 2013. And the roundtable has been largely criticized for not implementing its own standards. So it says, you know, you're certified. Here's the standards you have to to live up to. But a lot of them are not even being held to the standards that they're supposed to be. There are several loopholes in their certification process as well, like plantations being grandfathered in. So if you were there for a certain amount of years or whatever, if you were there before, then you can keep destroying the land and practicing these shitty 
these shitty policies and, and practices that you were already doing. So yeah, this grandfathering in thing are kind of some loopholes that are causing issues. And a lot of people really just question the credibility and honesty of the RSPO since so many forests are still being cleared and animals are still being killed. The bottom line, palm oil is not sustainable at the moment. It can be, but at the moment it really isn't. Even if these systems were working as they're supposed to, it, it still wouldn't be sustainable. And these systems aren't working as they're supposed to. The only way palm oil can be sustainable, in my opinion, is if we reduce demand so we stop cutting down so many rainforests to keep up with the endless demand as of now. The demand from large companies is not going to stop. It, they, it is so... It's such a useful product and is so cheap to produce. And, and for all the reasons we mentioned before, in no foreseeable future is palm oil going away. But if you want to reduce the amount that you're consuming because it makes you feel ethically better and like you're not contributing to the problem, then that is something that I think is a great step to take if you are feeling ready for it, if you're feeling encouraged by this information. So our governments, what are they doing about this? Because it's like, there's there's these issues happening. Are our governments recognizing it? In Europe, over the last several years, there's been a huge push in the EU to reduce or eliminate the use of palm oil. Because back in the early 2000s, they were like, ooh, let's use palm oil as a biodiesel. That's perfect. It's cheap. It's easy to produce. And, and it was really, it sounded like a great idea. There was a push to use it in place of oil fuel. But then it became apparent that this shift was hurting more than helping. It is displacing food crops and causing environmental damage. And the land use change from growing the biofuel crops is causing more emissions than the biofuels abate in their use for transport. So the EU was like, wait a minute, this palm oil, this isn't going to work as biodiesel. So now they're trying to revert back from the huge push on using it. In fact, the use of palm oil as a fuel should disappear in Europe by 2030 under a reform of the renewable energy laws. The compromise does not go as far as the environmental campaigners had hoped, though. They had been calling for a complete ban on palm oil and so soy biofuels by 2020. But the battle is not over. Each European government can, in 2021, decide to ditch palm oil and other food-based biofuels. So I guess in a couple of years, we'll see what Europe decides to do. So what about in Indonesia, where all this shit's going down? Well, at the end of September of 2018, the president of Indonesia delayed signing a new regulation on Indonesia's Sustainable Palm Oil Standard, or ISPO, after NGOs, which are non-governmental organizations, in Indonesia raised increasing concerns that it will actually weaken, not strengthen its credibility. So the, the president actually delayed signing this. So that's a, that's a good step. The president did, however, sign into force a long-awaited moratorium, which prohibits any new palm oil plantation permits being issued for the next three years, and which will review existing palm oil permits. Although the moratorium was expected to be for five years, not three, and again, it doesn't mention any law enforcement of how they're going to actually do it, it is largely viewed as a step in the right direction, a positive step. The current ISPO, or Indonesia's Sustainable Palm Oil, is considered the weakest of all of the palm oil certification schemes, and it has little uptake, despite being supposedly mandatory since December 2014. It's really not been taken on like, like it's supposed to be. So... They're, they're trying, but apparently this shit is hard to figure out and even harder to properly regulate. So what about the U.S.? If you live in the U.S., you're like, what are we doing about this? Well, what do you think? <laughs> After doing a little digging and reading, I've realized that not much is going on as far as regulation goes in the United States. Palm oil consumption is relatively low in North America, comparatively. And with domestically produced soybean and corn, corn oils dominating the edible oils market. So in the United States, you'll see more of that, which is good because we have huge amounts of land in Canada and the Midwest and places to grow crops like that. So we should keep growing those kinds of crops. Consequently, the issue of sustainable palm oil sourcing has not been a high priority for companies in North America, and there's still a relatively low level of awareness of the impacts of palm oil production among consumers here in the U.S. So again, share this episode with people who might not know what, what's going on, and they might be stoked <laughs> to know because there's not, there's not very much awareness around this issue. And then in Central and South America, where a lot of these issues are also really being magnified because of these tropical rainforests, What's happening there? As Central and South America holds more than one quarter of the world's forest area and two thirds of its tropical rainforests, 
it is vital that the region adopts sustainable palm oil practices or figures out new methods of production to avoid the negative impacts occurring in other regions such as Southeast Asia. And that's really kind of the main point that I need to make is there might be small regulations happening or small movements, but it needs to be drastically changed if we're going to be able to keep producing it the way we are. Okay, so now that you have a ton of information about palm oil, sustainable palm oil, all of that stuff, let's talk about some solutions. What can you do? My take on it, the demand from large corporations isn't going away anytime soon. So I personally think it's best for individuals to try to reduce their consumption of palm oil to take some pressure off of the system. And just, I guess, personally, I just knowing what palm oil production and palm oil consumption is doing, I don't feel great about it. So even since I've just started a couple weeks ago doing research for this episode, I have tried to avoid buying anything that has palm oil in it. I've used that little vegan scanner app um, to try to see if something's hidden in there. And if it's in there, I just don't buy it. I just have been saying I'm not going to. Every once in a while, if I'm out at a restaurant and maybe I get butter on my toast, vegan butter on my toast, it might be Earth Balance, which has palm oil in it. I'm not going to be super strict about it. Um, If you want to be, then you should be. But I just don't see the demand for palm oil being lowered drastically anytime soon. And yes, individuals do make a difference, but a boycott of people isn't going to change it. It's just so widely used. But personally, I don't feel good supporting it. Just I don't like knowing what's happening and I don't want to support those kinds of practices. So I am going to try to start weaving it into my life to avoid palm oil when I can. And that's just my personal opinion. I am not telling you that's what you have to do. There are hella vegans that eat palm oil. Literally me up until We still have Earth Balance in our fridge. We were using that because it was one of the cheaper ones we could find. And I recently switched to Miyoko's. And that's what I've been using because it doesn't have palm oil in it. Um, You can find palm oil-free butter recipes um, on the internet and make them at home so you don't have to support the use of palm oil. But personally, since doing all this research and just having my eyes opened up to what's going on, I don't feel like I'm going to support the palm oil industry. But One thing that you can do to kind of take the pressure off of the system and reduce your amount of palm oil intake is to eat a primarily whole foods plant-based diet. Because if you're eating whole foods and they're all plants, then you are not really consuming any palm oil. It's mostly packaged foods and household goods and household products. And that kind of stuff is going to be even harder for me to, to get rid of that stuff. Like I'm starting with my food. And then I'm going to slowly try to start working on my household products and my cosmetics and everything like that. But like I said, it's in so much stuff. So it's going to take some time for me. And there are people out there who can probably just cut it out and say I'm done and get all their stuff, give their stuff away to other people and stock right up. But that's not the case for me right now. So I'm going to do the best that I can. But one way that you can really just cut back on your use of palm oil as far as eating it goes is to just eat whole foods plant-based diet. It's good for you anyway. (laughs) Palm oil is not good for you. It's just concentrated fat, pretty much devoid of any nutrients. So if you can avoid it, then then I don't see why. Why not? And if you're eating something processed, another thing you can do is just check the ingredients list. And you can use apps like Palm Oil Scanner or Sustainable Palm Oil Shopping. I'll have links to both of those in the little freebie download that you can go hop on over to my website and get. And If palm oil is on the list, then just consider the impact, even just being aware and thinking, okay, is this something that I want to do? Just being aware of the impact. Ignorance is not bliss. It just isn't. So you can also stop buying products that have palm oil in them when you can recognize that it's in a product. And remember, companies can be really tricky with their labeling and naming. So if you want to use those apps, then do it. But yeah, that's something you can do is just stop buying products that have palm oil in them and maybe use up what you have and start learning new alternatives for what you can use instead. Canola oil is great if you live in North America since corn is easily grown and there's lots of land for it. So instead of buying palm oil to cook in get canola oil if you live in North America. You can also urge companies to abandon the use of palm oil in their products. You can write letters to keep the pressure on the government to be aware of the issues and make sure that they're thinking about it. You can ask your governments to call for mandatory labeling of palm oil ingredients on labels to make sure that it says this has palm oil in it so people are just aware and there's not this tricky shit going on. I hate tricky shit. (laughs) 
especially when it's stuff that's just causing so much harm. And that's why they do it, because they know that people aren't stoked on it. You can write to your local politicians and ask them what they're doing to help achieve mandatory labeling of palm oil. You can write to the manufacturers of your favorite foods, find out if they're using palm oil, and if so, where they're sourcing it from, and if they're making any efforts to eliminate it in their products. It's, sometimes it's just nice to let companies know, like, hey, this is something people are thinking of, and the more people that ask, maybe they'll start to shift their thinking around it. You can talk to your friends and family about palm oil. That's like one of the most effective things you can do. If you have a YouTube channel, make a video about it. If you have a podcast, talk about it on your podcast. Talk to your friends and family. Send an article. Say, hey, do you know that this is what's happening? Because a lot of times, like me, before I did a lot of this research, I wasn't aware of a lot of this stuff. I knew I knew that the orangutans were being displaced. But literally, other than that, I wasn't aware of a lot of this stuff. So even download the little freebie, print it out or send it to them and just say, hey, here's some of the main points of palm oil. And I I would like you to know. So that's something else you can do is just talking to your friends and family about it because your voice is powerful and the ripple effect is real, like I always, always say. So. In my opinion, there is just no real reason to consume palm oil. It's pretty much devoid of nutrients and it's loaded with saturated fat. That, on top of all of the other stuff we already talked about, just makes it feel so unnecessary to me. And it's not just something I want to support. It kind of reminds me of when I first went vegan. Once your eyes are opened up to that awful shit that is behind and results from the production of palm oil, it's kind of hard to unknow it. And it's kind of hard to not want to do something about it. So cutting back on the amount that I eat is something that I've really been working towards, like I said, and I just feel like it aligns with what feels best for me. But if you're a new vegan or you just feel super overwhelmed by the idea of not being a good enough vegan, then remember that what you're doing now is enough and that you can always work towards new goals, one of which might be reducing or eliminating your use of palm oil when possible or striving toward a more zero waste or eco-minimalist lifestyle Whatever your goals may be, this isn't about perfection. Veganism isn't about perfection. It's about doing what you can to reduce animal suffering. So continue to educate yourself. Continue to keep an open mind and a loving heart. And that's just really the best way to approach life, isn't it? Just just open mind, be loving, be kind. Try not to be selfish. Try to say, do I really need this? Are the implications worth my consumption, just really be aware and, and start thinking about it and, and start start incorporating it into your life in whatever way feels best for you. So whether that's cutting out palm oil or continuing to use it, that is your choice. Everything is your choice. Like I said, I just really wanted to give you guys the information and the hard facts and let you guys make a decision on what feels right for you. So by the way, I'd really, really love to hear your thoughts on this. So do you consider palm oil to be vegan? Do you avoid palm oil in your products? And if so, why or why not? Let me know over on YouTube or on the How to Vegan Podcast Instagram page. So go follow me on Instagram, How to Vegan Podcast, and let me know in the comments or find this video over on YouTube and let me know. Do you consider palm oil to be vegan? Do you avoid it? Let me know. I want to hear your take on this because there's, like I said, it's a super controversial topic and I'm really interested in what you guys think. And maybe you have some information that I'm unaware of or kind of a a new view on it that I'm not aware of. And like I said, stay open-minded and that's what I'm doing as well. So share any information with me that you have. I would, I would love it. So I think that's it. This was my longest episode by far, um, but it was really important to me to do this right and to get the information to you guys in just the right way and not hurry this episode. It was supposed to be out last week and I just knew I needed another week to kind of make sure that I was on top of everything and giving you guys good information. So I really, really hope you liked this episode. If you did, please go give it a thumbs up on YouTube. Like I said, go give a little, um, go leave a little rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and share this episode. That is the number one way to kind of spread this movement, spread these ideas. I have so many podcast episodes that are helpful to new or aspiring vegans. So if you have friends or family or anybody interested in this lifestyle, then send them my way. Tell them about the How to Vegan podcast. Share it on your personal accounts. Um, Take screenshots, like I said, of anything I post on How to Vegan. Share the posts on the How to Vegan podcast on your Instagram stories. Let's just get the word out there. Um, I'm probably going to do a really fun giveaway soon on the How to Vegan podcast Instagram account as well. So... 
keep an eye out for that. So go follow me over there and go subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Links for everything will be in the show notes for sure. And if you have any ideas for an episode, then go leave a comment on this YouTube video and let me know what you want me to do an episode about. I am all about listening to you guys. Oh, and just so you know, the next episode is going to be tips on dating a non-vegan. So kind of relationship advice-ish, just kind of some ideas that I have and that I gathered from the vegan community on how to date a non-vegan. Um, if you're vegan and your significant other isn't, kind of some tips on how to deal with that. So I kind of wanted to get that out before Valentine's Day, like a little Valentine's Day episode. So that's going to be the next one coming out. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following me on all of the platforms that you prefer. And yeah, it's going to be a good one. So I hope you liked this episode. I worked so hard on this, so I really, really hope you did. And make sure you go download the little freebie. It is on my website, kristenpound.com slash free stuff, forward slash free stuff. Um, You'll see lots of other free stuff there that you can download too. I got lots of stuff for you guys. I like giving you stuff for free. So thanks again for listening. You guys are the best. Go grab that freebie on my website and have a good day. That's primarily the number one thing you should do. Have a good day. Take this information however you'd like it. Go apply it in whatever way you'd like it. There is no judgment coming from me. Only love, only support. If you have any questions at all about anything that I talked about or anything, please let me know. I am here for you. So thanks again for listening and I'll just catch you in the next episode of the How to Vegan podcast. Peace.